breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel and the free Keel app, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, Shreveport City Councilman Grayson Butcher joining us. Grayson, good morning, sir. You can't do that anymore. They I know. were getting it right yesterday. You can't do that. You can't oh, do that. Did all of them? Did everybody get it right? <laughs> No. Not every one of them, but I believe they understand what's going on. <laughs> Grayson, it's a now big joke now. <laughs> Grayson, it is. It butcher. is. And I, you know what? I'll take. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, any way they give it. You know, but I, anyway, go ahead. Well, it, of course, a big discussion now. The uh, upcoming bond proposal. Uh, Mayor Arsenault is proposing. I think there are eight different portions of this i how how is the city council looking i i know this proposal mayor arsenault wants to um hire a manager to oversee this how do you feel about that how's the council looking at this point well i'm not sure that that's exactly what the mayor wants uh i believe he understands that that's what the majority of the council wants and that's what the business community wants and he's not opposed to it um i, I will say this um you know, there was a lot of comparison yesterday by, by several other council members about, you know, the bonds that have, have been proposed in the past. And, and since I've been elected uh, in 2018, um, the difference is, in my opinion, I just feel more confident in the administration of Arsenal than I did in Perkins. And that's just that's just an honest assessment. I mean, I think that Perkins came out of the door doing some really, really crazy stuff. And, uh, That's a polite way to put it. Yeah, I mean, had very little, very little municipal experience. I mean, Tom, if you put Tom Arsenault and Tom Dark's municipal experience and administrative experience together, it would be older than me. Um, so I just feel more comfortable. I feel like that, that they have the mechanism to do what we need done. Secondly... Um, you know, we passed the public safety bond and the Perkins administration had a whole year to get things together as far as um, the police station, the substations, and zero was really done. Uh, you know, Whitehorn and and, uh, and Perkins really didn't do much. You know, they spent that year campaigning as opposed to getting dirt turning. And I don't think it's fair for council members to say, well, you know, we hadn't seen dirt turning from the last one that passed. Well, <laughs> You can't you can't put that all, you can't put that all on the Arsenal administration. The Arsenal administration has been trying to make sure that our police and fire department were funded because they forgot to put a tax on the books. Well, they've been trying to make sure that the ARP money was spent correctly because the the Whitehorn I mean I'm sorry the Perkins of Whitehorn administration was spending the ARP money incorrectly. So I mean they've had their hands full, and uh, you, you know I'm not making excuses because. You know, people just don't trust government. Would but you, having Grayson, that, would you say, Councilman Green yesterday said, if that was Adrian Perkins in that seat, y'all wouldn't be supporting this. I agree with him 100%. Me and Reverend Green well, are on the same page. Are you too? I, I, wanted, I wanted to say the same thing. I mean, I, I didn't trust where we were going. I mean, there was no plan in place for any of the bonds that, that Perkins originally had put forth. I don't know if you heard me or not, Aaron, but I said, look, 
in 2019, when we, when we initially proposed this, I was against it because I was under the impression that there was money someplace that we could pull to do these capital improvements. Mm-hmm. I was naive. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I went to the mayor, Mayor Perkins, and I said, hey, look, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? And his exact comment in a, in a private meeting with he and I was, Councilman, I'm a Harvard Law School graduate. I think I know what I'm doing. Wow. Well, and, Grayson, wow. in the past, like, this ain't this ain't my first rodeo. I go back to you know Hussey's days, and we had right. bond study committees. We had community meetings. We didn't have that during Perkins. We didn't have a bond study committee. We we were we were asked to give him a blank check. Part of it was thirty three million for roads. I didn't see a list of roads. Maybe you did that. I'm not privy to. I, I'm, I'm not giving any politician, Republican, Democrat, a blank check of thirty three million of my money. Well, a perfect example is, you know, when I was fire chief at Fire District 5, we did a bond issue. We had schematics of a fire station. We had the fire trucks that we were going to purchase. We had a plan in place, and then we went to the public and sold it. With the Perkins administration, on the public safety part of it, I was like, I need a list of what you're buying, fire trucks, whatever. And I also need, I want to see some plans for these substations. I want to see a plan for the police station. And, and I never got it. You know, I was told I was going to get that, but I never got it. So, mm-hmm. yes, to go back to your original question, uh, no, I would I would not have been. It's, it's just a different situation, and you can't compare that. I also know now that our infrastructure has aged almost six years since I got on the council, and the number of calls I'm getting for potholes and streets that need to be repaved. I mean, you can't not paint your house for six years. Um, I guess you can, but you can't expect it to look like it's brand new. And that's what a lot of taxpayers expect us to do. And unfortunately, they don't understand that we just don't have the money. I can tell you in my personal budget over the last year, thanks to, I'm just going to say it, President Biden and his, his whatever he called it, non-inflation or whatever he's calling it now. Bidenflation, I mean, yeah. Biden, whatever it is, you know, we're in a lot better spot. No, we're not. I mean, the gas prices were high. All that stuff that, that, that we're dealing with, high utilities, high gas prices, you know, high grocery prices, all that stuff we're dealing with on the municipal side as well, but we're just dealing with it like 400 million times more than what you and I are dealing with it. So um, it, it, we, we're just not in the same situation we were. We have major issues, water issues, street issues that have to be fixed. And I am 100% with, believe it or not, Councilman Green and Councilwoman Taylor about a administrator to look over this. They're they're very much for that. I am too. Um, I would also like to see some technology put in place to where if Aaron McCarty wants to look up and see when Night Street is going to, they're going to start paving Night Street, you can click on it and pull it up and see exactly where we are. I think that that's the type of transparency that we need. And, All right, Grayson and- Butcher, District D representative for the city of Shreveport on the council. Is it your job to sell this bond proposal to your district? If I, if, <clears throat> yes and no. Um, if I didn't sell Perkins bonds because I didn't, I didn't have faith in it. Um, I'm selling this bond because I've had numerous meetings with the administration and with Tom Dark, and Tom Dark has laid this out exactly what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, the time frames that we're going to do this. So yes, it is my job to sell it because I have faith in it, uh, and I have to tell my constituents, look, it is a hard pill to swallow, but I promise you, it's the medicine that we need to take, and um, it is my job. But I guess if if you don't have faith in it or whatever reasons, because maybe it's not Adrian Perkins. I, I don't know. 
maybe it's not. But yes, I do feel like that as a, as a if, if you have faith in the bond issue, we need to be out there trying to sell it. And that's, it, that's what I'm going to do. Grayson Butcher, is it, it sounded to me listening to your meeting yesterday that it's in jeopardy of even being put on the ballot. I think it is. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think it is. And, you know, the mayor and I have had those conversations. And, look, he is – this is not because, you know, Adrian never even came to me or John and talked to us about the bond. Or he might call us right before he put it on or there were no meetings. I know for a fact that Mayor Arsenault and Tom Dark are having conversations uh, daily with the ones that don't want to put it on there. Um, you know, I don't think they did originally, but now, I mean – you know, they, they went to them and asked them to put people on bond committee. Some some council members didn't even give them names to put on the bond committee. So, um, you know, and I think that one thing that everybody needs to look at, a council member-wise, is this is a holistic bond. Uh, you can't say, well, I want all this money to go to district whatever and none of it to go to district whatever because I think that we've been left out for so long. You know, I look at the bond issue more as a whole because I travel in pretty much every district of the city you know, on a weekly basis or if not a daily basis, you do too. I mean, you, how many, how many districts, Aaron and Mike, do you cross over to get to Westport Avenue? You bet. You, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is a holistic thing that means the quality of life for, for our children and, and, and honestly, our grandchildren, you know, I, I, I have, I have lost faith that any major changes are going to happen for me. Um, you know, any real major changes, but, but I have faith that we can make Shreveport better 10 to 15 years down the road, and that's what this bond issue is going to do. One last thing in our last 30 seconds. Do you think they understand, you know, if, if they want to delay this and put it on the November ballot, that it's DOA on a ballot like that? I mean, with more people coming out to vote, it doesn't have a chance? Well, there's there's other aspects to think about, you know, with more people coming out to vote. We're, we're If we do it on a December or November ballot, it's going to be crazy because people are going to be getting their tax notices. I mean, people are going to be stressed because of Christmas and all this other kind. Yeah, you're you're right, 100. It, it's it's DOA if we do it in the fall. I think April is the is the best time to do it. It gives us, you know, and I think we're going to do some some town hall. At least I plan on doing some town halls in my district to go through everything and explain to everything where we are with this. I did that actually for the Perkins administration. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just think that, that April is the time to do it. And then that also gives us, let's think about this realistically too. That gives us time for the, for the Arsenal administration to be there to kind of manage the hen house a little bit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, cause that'll give us three more or two and a half more years of, of, of Tom Dark and Tom Arsenal. Grayson Butcher. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank y'all. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Uh, by the way, coming up at 740, Thomas Presley going to join us, talking about the Blue Cross Elevance sale. What's the latest on that? We'll find out. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. I have to admit, I'm disappointed, but I can tell you, I can live without it. Yeah, me too. I can live without crawfish at $15 a pound. I can live without crawfish, Aaron, at $10 a pound. Yeah, I'm not buying them. No. Uh, Who's buying them at that? I have bought it when my daughter came to town at I think around seven bucks is is the most I've done, Mm -hmm. and I and that was only because she was here. 
and we really wanted to go get crawfish. Right. I did my check yesterday to see who has them and how much they are. And I found one place that had a deal for, I think, nine ninety nine a pound. That was the cheapest. And I think it was only during uh, 30 minutes during the 2 a.m. hour. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> right. But it right, was like a yeah. special deal. You had to be there. Yeah. Everybody else was like thirteen ninety nine a pound. Of the ones who have them, a lot of them don't have them yet. Can't get their hands on them. Or they don't want to buy them at that high price. Like Farmer Seafood could have them if he wanted. But he's probably not going to buy them at that price because he's like, I'm... How many of these are going to sell at 13 bucks right, a pound? Right. You know, it's just, you, it's a risk. Because at some point, if they don't sell, you, you know, you just lost your booty on big bags of crawfish. I'm curious, and I put a poll in the post, keelnews.com or on the Keel app. How much are you willing to pay for boiled crawfish? And it looks like people are in the 4 to $6 range. Or two to four dollars. Between two and six dollars is about as high as they're gonna go. Right. You're gonna have to wait another month for them to get down that low. You're gonna have uh, to wait. Do you till, think we're gonna see a two, three dollar range? I don't think we're going below four. I don't think we'll go below four this year. I'll go four though. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I'll do four. There are twenty percent of the folks that took our poll that say they'll pay up to eight bucks. Eight bucks. Nobody says they'll buy crawfish between twelve and fourteen bucks. They're no. just not going to do it. Right. Nobody will buy them at eight at ten bucks. Nobody's willing to pay that price. So I don't know who's buying them. I guess if you have a special special deal or something you're having, and somebody really wants crawfish, you, like, like a wedding reception that you you know that that's you what the bride wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do crawfish. Or your kids turning 16 and they wanted their first crawfish, you know, what, what, I'll get them a pound or two. But, you know, to sit down and eat five pounds of crawfish and it's going to set you back a hundred bucks, who can afford that? That's just nuts. That, that, too high. So you can find out who's got them, what they're selling them for. It's all right now on the Keel app and you can, you can check it out and let us know. Take the poll. I'm curious how high you would go. I want somebody to say, yep, they'll pay. 12 bucks a pound for them. <laughs> you want somebody to say that? Yeah, and then I want to have lunch with you. You're buying. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I start with 10 pounds. I'm just telling you. I can't do 10, but I'm a good fiver. My daughter can do 10. She's like six feet tall. Wow. Former swimmer, she triathlete. She 10 pounds of crawfish? Oh, absolutely. She and I start with five pounds a piece. Wow. So they don't all get cold. Then yeah. we get another five pounds a piece. Good night. Somebody she worked with goes, did you just order 10 pounds of crawfish? <laughs> she goes, yeah. Yeah. I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> That's what we do. My dad taught me right. Oh, man. Thomas Presley joining us coming up at 740, talking about the Blue Cross Elevance sale. Where is that? We'll find out. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. More breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. A lot of talk about Blue Cross of Louisiana selling to Elevance Health. We're going to find out what the latest is on that. Thomas Presley will be joining us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline coming up just after the break. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710Keel.com. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Thomas Presley joining us. Thomas, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good being with you. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you uh, you joining us. Tell us now this uh, Anthem Elevance Health Blue Cross Blue Shield sale is is this going through? Is this approved? Is it dead? Where are we on this? And, and great news for the people of Louisiana. Uh, the Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, Elevance de- deal is now dead. Uh, there was a report that was provided this morning from the Commissioner of Insurance saying that Blue Cross Blue Shield has pulled uh, their uh, attempt to sell uh, to Elevance, which is a, a great thing for the people of Louisiana. Elevance, there was a big two-day committee hearing on it. Started yesterday. Um, you're hearing from all, you know all kind of witnesses. Is the committee hearing today just scrapped now? I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, so actually, there was a Senate Oversight Committee hearing last week where uh, the Senate Health and Welfare Committee and Insurance Committee, which I sit on, uh, I sit on the Health and Welfare Committee. Alan Seaball, of course, sits on the Insurance Committee, and we were able to question Blue Cross Blue Shield and Elevance executives. Uh, we came away with 30 issues that we had concerns with regarding the sale uh, and have had a lot of, uh, of, of press and media uh, dealing with the issues uh, over the last week and a half or so. And then uh, the the insurance commissioner was scheduled to start today a two-day hearing. Okay. Um, and okay. it would be today and tomorrow. That has now been canceled, um, and, and I think in a large part because they didn't have the votes because when the people that had uh, the, the 95,000 policyholders that had a vote for Blue Cross, Blue Cross Blue Shield to be able to be sold to Elevance, they needed a two-thirds vote of their policyholders. Uh, when they found out the truth about the issues, they decided not to, to move forward with it. State Senator Thomas Presley joining us this morning. Uh, Thomas, now, obviously, it seems like Blue Cross wants to sell. Do they not want to be in Louisiana? Is there now... Um, uh, a concern about them just pulling out of Louisiana? So Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana is actually a Louisiana-based mutual company. It's owned by its policyholders. So the 95,000 people that had a vote are the people that own the pot, the, the company itself. Um, so, so that's good news. Um, you know, I, I, I think they've raised some issues regarding the need for additional technology. They raised some issues about uh, where they currently are. But the bottom line is Blue Cross Blue Shield is in a really good position. They have a $1.8 billion reserve um, and, and certainly have uh, the, the vast majority of people with, with insurance in the state of Louisiana have it through Blue Cross Blue Shield. It's over 50 percent. Uh, so they have a, a large market share. Um, you know, but, but they did raise some issues regarding, uh, you know, needs for the future. Uh, and, and I don't take those lightly. I don't have a problem with, uh, you know, them looking for a partner at a, at a larger company. The issue that I had is, one, the way the vote was being conducted uh, with Blue Cross Blue Shield putting $20 million in proponent information out with no information being provided on, on what the, the other side of the story is. Uh, two, with uh, the... With Elevance, I mean, they have a track record nationwide of having lots of issues. They have over a billion dollars in fines since 2000 for hundreds of violations, um, and, and that certainly is concerning. They also have a, a, the Georgia Inspector General put out a report last year that said their claim denial rate was 33.7%, which is more than two times the average, and a third of the, the, the uh medical necessities that a doctor or healthcare provider believes are important for their uh, their policyholders, they've decided to, to reject. 
uh, have a big problem with that. And then the final issue was really the way that they were setting up this trust slash foundation. They were going to create a $3 billion trust uh, that, you know, would put some money out there. Now, the question is what that money would go towards. Um, they were setting it up in a way that they could be politically active. Um, they had four board of directors that were currently chosen that would select another seven members. Um, there are a lot of questions about that and, and really a lot of, of hopefully statements, a lot of possibly statements that were given to the committee during uh, our oversight hearing last week. Elevance claims that this would have lowered you know, costs for insured uh, people. Um, but there's been evidence that maybe it is good in the first year or two, but after that, it was not. I mean, were y'all able to dig deep and find out that, that it is a problem? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they have a track record of, of raising premiums on people. They, they have, um, you know, the data doesn't lie, and it shows that their, their rates are continuing to go up in the states that they're in. Uh, it, it continued to show, you know, a lot of, of challenges. Uh, the CMS has a five-star rating system of, um, of health insurance companies, uh, and, and Elevance had been dropped from a 4.5-star to 3.5-star for poor-performing metrics, including access to care and, and appointments. Uh, that's certainly concerning when you're looking at, again, the largest health insurer in the state of Louisiana. We want to make sure that people have the ability to get health care in the state. Does Elevance operate in the state? In, in other capacities and with other companies? They, they do not currently. Interesting. That is interesting. And so this completely for Blue Cross, it's dead. Um, any chance of it raising its ugly head again at a later date? Uh, that, that's certainly always on the table. I'm, I am not aware of that. It certainly sounded from the, the press release that this, this deal is off, um, but we'll certainly continue to, to monitor and watch it. State Senator Thomas Presley. Blue Cross Blue Shield sale to Elevance of Indiana is a dead issue today. That's interesting. Thanks for the update. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Okay, Mike and Ruben. <laughs> Mike all, and okay, Ruben. this always makes me nervous. <laughs> this always makes me nervous. I don't. I have no idea where she's going. Man card out, if y'all don't oh, mind. Oh, Lord. Um, you, it's Valentine's Day. Happy yes. Valentine's Day. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Thank you. happy Valentine's Two Day. Two married, married gentlemen. Yes. You probably got your wife an, a card. Mike, you were going to get a card. I did. That's cool. Got her Ruben, some got Dove a dark chocolate. Card for your wife, Ruby? No, no. I'm cooking her a steak tonight and then getting stuff tomorrow. We only, oh, get, that's the, right. we only get the discounted candies. Okay. <laughs> so you each need to give me about 150 bucks. I ain't got it. Okay. Really? 150 <laughs> bucks. Okay. Okay. Because Are you going to dance or something? No, these no, 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 no. I'd have to pay you if I danced. <laughs> the uh, average spending for every American on Valentine's Day is 185 bucks. You you're spending about thirty, spending oh, about Lord, thirty. Not, not, not even so that. you got one hundred and fifty yet to give for <laughs> Valentine's Day. So I'll take it. Y'all aren't what, even close. You clear it with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you get it from her. I don't think who spends one eighty five. I mean, I guess if you're going out to dinner and you buy flowers. Now we are going to go out to dinner. Okay, um, Saturday night. 
Mm-hmm. We're going, uh, like, like I said, we're going to go over to uh, Kilgore with, uh, with some friends. We have three or four couples that we all get together with, usually on a Friday night, and we yeah. go to dinner. And yeah. uh, we've, we've known, I mean, these are friends we've had for 20, 20 years or longer. Right. And so. Well, y'all need, actually, you both, well, let's revisit what I just said. Okay. You both owe me $300. Oh, <laughs> because you're supposed to spend 185 per person. So your wife is supposed to spend 185 on you. Yeah, that didn't happen. Your no. wife's supposed to spend 185 on you. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> so y'all should have an extra $300 that you could just give to your friend Aaron. No. Well, what about what about the $300 you're going to give to us? Or 185. Uh, well, I don't have a sweetie to spend my 185 okay, on. Okay, so, so then it should go to us. Should go to us. No, I'll spend it on somebody I love. So, so we'll call it. E- we'll call it even. Wow. How about that? Me. I'll spend it on me. <laughs> but I just wanted to wish you happy. It's rare that Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day falls on the same day. Yeah. Will it be? Will I be out of line if I ask my priest today? Can you put a heart? Can you make my ashes in the shape of a heart? Would that be bad? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal came in this morning. She told us a story oh. off mic that she says, I got my ass kicked in, what is it, junior high or high school, junior yes. high? She says a girl came in with the ashes on her forehead. And yeah. Crystal goes, girl, you got something on your head. licked her thumb and started wiping started her wiping forehead her off. Ashes off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people they have a smudge on their face today. Right. They're going to be people with smudges on their face. I just want it in the shape of a heart. I'm going to ask. What can he say? No, I'm not doing it. The shape of a heart. St. <laughs> <Saint> Valentine. <laughs> Cato D.A. James Stewart joining us coming up after the news. Top of the hour. Fox News next. 1017 FM 710 Q. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Caddo District Attorney James Stewart joining us this morning. First of all, good morning, sir. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, good morning and happy Valentine's Day to all. Did you spend one hundred eighty-five dollars on Valentine's Day? That's the average. <laughs> There's do you a reason owe, do you owe me some money? That. There's an average. Yeah, I always try to be above average. Okay, good. So you don't owe me any money. All right, no. good. <laughs> Uh, let's look. Let's change gears. We uh, big news story: uh, a one-year-old child was uh, shot and killed during an apparent drive-by shooting. Uh, there's been an arrest. At first, they were, they were saying that it was teenagers, but this is a 27-year-old individual. What can you tell us about this arrest and the charges? Well, it's a probable cause arrest, which means the police did it based on probable cause. So we haven't really seen anything yet. So we probably don't know a little bit more than what you already know. Uh, the way the process is, he'll be arrested. At some point, they'll turn the reports over. We'll take it to a grand jury, uh, timely, and they'll determine the ultimate charge that he will be charged with. Do you know the individual? I mean, do you, does he have prior records? Is there he had a, a He had a record in 20 for uh, an incident with his girlfriend he was uh, where she didn't want to press charges. There were no injuries whatsoever. He broke a window or something. Mm-hmm. He repaired the window. He was on probation for three years, had no issues. Okay. That's, he had no arrest or anything before that. So he doesn't have anything that you would say 
related to, to this, this type of incident at all. No right. guns, nothing like that. We don't know, obviously, the specifics, but in the way that we hear about cases like this, typically there was a target. We know someone else was inside the apartment was wounded. Um, rarely do we have a random, somebody is randomly shot, um, and they were they were talking about teenagers. Are there other people that are possibly involved in this too? What are you What are you hearing with regard to I, that? I have I have no idea, no okay. information. But typically, these cases are somebody had a beef with somebody else. They're either the first or the retaliatory uh, mm. incident, and that's what's going on. And there's a lot of stuff going on social media between people that we would never know about. It it, it starts problems, and somebody decides they want to finish it with a gun. Let's go back to that with the gun. We had the case of uh, happened out here, Pines Road, at the Foxborough Cove, where a deputy was shot. The suspect was killed. The suspect back in September had been in court on uh, drugs and gun charges, and it was pled. And I can't thank you enough for Ross Owens coming out and explaining that there's three guys in the car with that man. All three of them were charged, and they entered a plea agreement. Um, yeah, there was one gun in the vehicle on mm-hmm. the floorboard in the back seat, so there was no way to determine Correct. Who, that, whose gun it was. That happens a lot in your world, and we don't fully grasp that. We don't. The public doesn't get that. Is that right? Abs- absolutely. You can get in the car with somebody, and you don't know what they have in the car. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets in and opens up all the doors, open the trunk, look to see what you got under the seat, and you're just riding around and get stopped, and all of a sudden you're in jail, and you don't know why. But we have to prove it. We had to prove knowledge and, and constructive possession of that weapon. And here, here's something that's not talked about. Sometimes people jump the gun and start pointing fingers. But if you go back through this guy's history, you'll find out that a certain agency failed to put some information in NCIS. And if they had an NCIC, if they had put that information in, this guy probably would have been picked up earlier. So a lot of times, we're, hey, we're, tell us what do you mean? Who 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 dropped the ball? Well, I don't I don't like to call names, but okay. we're interdependent agencies, mm-hmm. law enforcement agencies. And if one person fails to do something down the line, when we get it, we don't know about this information, or nobody in the courthouse knows about that information. So uh, now that's people, why that's why I always say people ought to be careful quickly to point fingers and look at rap sheets without looking at everything uh, Mm -hmm. beforehand. And and one of the tools that you and law enforcement use is NCIC, which is the National Crime Information Center. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? For people that don't know. And there was an old tick out for this young man. Old tick is something that comes out of juvenile, but because he failed to appear somewhere where if you execute the OTIC, which is like a bench warrant, mm-hmm. it's put in the system. You put him in jail. You put him in jail. So we're actually meeting with these agencies today okay. to make sure that all this information is there so everybody knows about it. So which is why I always say just don't look at a rap sheet. Don't start looking at this one-dimensional view and start blaming people that you want to blame. Sometimes the people in your own agency may have dropped the ball, and this is not the first time was, that has happened. Do you think that was just an oversight, or was it incompetence, or was it intentional omission? <sighs> I mean, the, the, I'm, reason I'm, 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 the, the reason I was given is that they, they were just concerned because sometimes another agency doesn't tell them when the person shows up at the, at, to take it off. So it's just, it has to be some conversations amongst mm-hmm. some people. And uh, hopefully we're going to get this resolved today. Can you stay with us? I want to talk about gun charges and, and how we're doing on that and are we doing better? Okay. Cool. 
Caddo District Attorney uh, James Stewart joining us. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Kiel. Back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. In studio with Caddo Parish District Attorney James Stewart joining us. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Kiel. For for those who say, and, and we've, t- we've had a very concerted effort to try to get guns off the streets, illegal guns, I should say, off the streets. For illegally those, owned illegally guns. Illegally owned guns. If, if I were to say, if someone were to say we need to be tougher on all gun crimes, that we shouldn't plead any of them, that we should take them to, to trial, if it's a gun charge, let's go after them, let's not, let's not plead them. That's not doable in your world, is it? Absolutely. We had 60 jury trials last year, which puts us the most trials we've had since 2008. But we had 164 possession of a found convictions, okay? Mm-hmm. So if we'd had to trial 164 of those, we never would have tried them. Uh, it's a minimum of five years on each one of those charges, and uh, citizen is up to the judge. Uh, and, and so we're not talking about illegal guns. We're just talking about people who shouldn't have guns. Mm-hmm. But just not like the case you're talking about where somebody's in the, in the vehicle and there's three people in the vehicle and one gun where they get arrested. That don't mean you can try all three uh, individuals for that one gun. you got to figure it out. That's why sometimes some get reduced, but most of the time we're pretty good at, at possession of firearms. We get, we get notifications from the Shreveport Police Department daily. Uh, it, seems like, it seems like four or five times a week there's another felon arrested with a firearm. Correct. What can we do to be tougher on that? If, if, if they're already a felon and now they're arrested with a firearm again, how, how can we keep them in jail? It's five to 20 years. They get sentenced somewhere between five and 20 years, but at some point they're going to get out. If you have a guy convicted of simple burglary and he serves five years in jail and he's out, he's not supposed to have a weapon. But just like we talk about, it's different circumstances mm-hmm. where they have got weapons. If we, if we catch somebody who's in the middle of doing a crime and is possession of their phone, that sentence is going to be a lot higher because we've got the crime in that. But typically what happens is they get stopped for a traffic stop. They look in, they find the gun somewhere. Sometimes the guy doesn't even know the gun is in there. Sometimes he does. And that's kind of the base level. What SPD and, and other agencies do say, we just arrest them and let the DA's office figure it out. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's our job. An arrest is not a conviction. Mm-hmm. We have to figure out the facts. But I think, you know, 164 people convicted of possession of a firearm is pretty good and it means the law enforcement agencies are doing a good job and we're doing a good job of processing them too the crime special session starts next week correct there is a lot of talk from from the governor on down get tough on crime get tough on crime um mandatory sentences is going to come up you you know what's coming right this ain't your first rodeo nope. um are you optimistic that they can make changes that will help They'll make some changes, but, you know, this pendulum, if you've been around long enough, it just it swings one way, it goes back the other way. It, they start doing maximum sentences, mandatory minimums, and all of a sudden the prisons get backed up, the budget gets tight, and then somebody says we can't do that anymore. But I've kind of perused what they're talking about doing. They're, they're going to tighten up uh, 
uh, when people can get out, they're going to have to stay longer. They're going to tighten up some parole rules. They're going to tighten up some probation rules because I think they understand that you, you, you can't push it too far because you create other problems down the line. So I'm optimistic that they'll get some things done <clears throat> that will help. Now, whether or not, you know, when you're having, when you're having we identified 16 to 21-year-olds mm-hmm. who are committing a lot of crimes. These are not people who've ever been in the system. Okay, they're not. These are first-time offenders, mm-hmm. so none of that stuff is going to stop them uh, from from doing anything because mm-hmm. they're not in jail. This is this is again. You've been in doing this a long, long time. One of the things that this governor is now talking about is he's going to put in place a mechanism for getting executions back going. I think Caddo Parish has the highest possibly number of people on death row. Some per of them you probably prosecuted per capita per, yes, yes. We, yeah, we um are you optimistic that some of those cases i mean going back to nathaniel code going back i mean we have a bunch of them right that the death penalty will now start to start to be uh, happening in louisiana again i think that's what the, the governor wants to do uh i really don't have a position over it uh mm-hmm. I, I think i think they will slowly start but i i don't i don't see us all of a sudden five people getting executed each week to catch up. It's just it's just going to take a while. Is it really a deterrence? Okay, so so we could t- I can tell you we we still have some of these people on death uh, row still have cases in federal court somewhere. We're still battling issues and uh, on that. So it's just a so to get it to be final, it's going to take a while. And now whether or not it's a, it's a deterrent, we'll see. But you spend that that's the thing for a death row case. You spend so much money on on prosecuting those cases and and making it happen, and then the execution never happens. I don't think that we have a new breed of criminal now who don't think about the consequences. They don't really care. They do what they're going to do. And now, you know, no. And what has fostered that? Is there not any fear of any consequences of their actions? I see it. I can't tell you what causes it it's just a mentality you got to have a moral standard you got to care about right and wrong to even worry about what's what's wrong they just do it i think a lot of this is just reactions Uh, i have a gun i can use it i won't do it and i'm not going to get caught that's kind of the mentality i mean going back to to this uh one-year-old child that was killed for somebody to have the mentality that they're going to just random or and I say randomly there may have been a target in that apartment but you're firing into a building not knowing who or what is in that building and and the lives that it will impact by your actions and you couldn't care less so that means they got a whole lot of don't care don't give a damn right mm-hmm. and so when you start talking about preventing it's really hard to stop people who don't care who have no exactly. fear and don't give a damn uh, I, I think that's what we're into. We're kind of cleaning up what it is and really try to make people understand there are consequences for your actions. And see, to me, that's a death penalty case, yeah. in my opinion. It probably we don't we ever... don't know yet. We we have to put mm-hmm. the facts together. 
uh, making the decision to have a death penalty now has a lot of different consequences. One of them is cost. Sure. And there are a lot of smaller jurisdictions who can't have a death penalty case because it just it's, it, it, it tears the parish's budget up. Mm-hmm. But that's not the sole consideration. We got to look at the evidence, the intent, and everything we have. And right now, we don't know right. what it is. So Too at that early. point, we'll we'll take a deep dive in it and. Uh, we take it take it serious. Before we untie you from your chair, uh, let's talk your truancy program. Okay. I'm hearing some good things that we are making a little progress and that we are seeing, you know, more kids in school. It, are, are you optimistic that you're seeing some some progress? And what has the program done? We're optimistic. Uh, the harbor is a great place. Uh, there are a lot of mentor programs, tutorial programs. Really, really working with parents to understand why your child needs to be in school. You know, when you're dealing with kindergartens in first and second grade, it's not their fault. Sure, (laughs) yeah. They don't drive, they don't have anything to do with it. So working through issues like transportation, uniforms, and all this, we're we're really getting the attention of parents, and uh, and the school system's really great at helping us identify those people. So I'm optimistic that if we stay in this direction, we'll get that number back down like we had it before COVID. Caddo DA, James Stewart. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thank y'all again, and I love this studio, and I appreciate y'all letting me uh, sit here for a few We didn't minutes. do too much bashing today. No, DA bashing, man. I'm, y'all, y'all go. <laughs> we'll well, save that for next time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> Happy we, Valentine's we Day. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you for taking the time. All right, thanks a lot. Y'all have 101, a great day. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Shreveport City Council member Grayson Butcher joined us earlier this morning talking about uh, the proposed bond issue. Find out where the council stands coming up just after the break. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, and the free Keel app, Mike and McCarty, on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Shreveport City Councilman Grayson Butcher joining us. Grayson, good morning, sir. You can't do that anymore. They I know. were getting it right yesterday. You can't do that. You can't oh, do that. Did all of them? Did everybody get it right? No. Not every one of them, but I believe they understand what's going on. Grayson Butcher. It's a Butcher. now big joke now. Grayson Butcher. It is. It is. And I, you know what? I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take it, you know, any way they give it, you know. But I, anyway, go ahead. Well, it, of course, the big discussion now, the uh, upcoming bond proposal, uh, Mayor Arsenault is proposing, I think there are eight different portions of this i how how is the city council looking i i know this proposal mayor arsenault wants to um hire a manager to oversee this how do you feel about that how's the council looking at this point well i'm not sure that that's exactly what the mayor wants uh i believe he understands that that's what the majority of the council wants and that's what the business community wants and he's not opposed to it um i, I will say this um you know, there was a lot of comparison yesterday by, by several other council members about, you know, the bonds that have, have been proposed in the past. And, and since I've been elected uh, in 2018, um, the difference is, in my opinion, 
I just feel more confident in the administration of Arsenault than I did in Perkins. And that's just that's just an honest assessment. I mean, I think that Perkins came out of the door doing some really, really crazy stuff. And uh, That's a polite very way to put min- it. Yeah, I mean, had very little very little municipal experience. I mean, Tom, if you put Tom Arsenault and Tom Dark's municipal experience and administrative experience together, it would be older than me. Um, so I just feel more comfortable. I feel like that, that they have the mechanism to do what we need done. Secondly, um, you know, we passed the public safety bond, and the Perkins administration had a whole year to get things together as far as um, the police station, the substations, and zero was really done. Uh, you know, Whitehorn and and, uh, and Perkins really didn't do much. You know, they spent that year campaigning as opposed to getting dirt turning. And I don't think it's fair for council members to say, well, you know, we hadn't seen dirt turning from the last one that passed. Well, <laughs> You can't you can't put that all, you can't put that all on the Arsenault administration. The Arsenault administration has been trying to make sure that our police and fire department were funded because they forgot to put a tax on the books. Well, they've been trying to make sure that the ARP money was spent correctly because the the Whitehorn I mean I'm sorry the Perkins of Whitehorn administration was spending the ARP money incorrectly. So I mean they've had their hands full, and uh, you, you know I'm not making excuses because. You know, people just don't trust government. Would but you, having Grayson, that, would you say, Councilman Green yesterday said, if that was Adrian Perkins in that seat, y'all wouldn't be supporting this. I agree with him 100%. Me and Reverend Green well, are on the same page. Are you too? I, I, wanted, I wanted to say the same thing. I mean, I, I didn't trust where we were going. I mean, there was no plan in place for any of the bonds that, that Perkins originally had put forth and i don't know if you heard me or not aaron but i said look in 2019 when we when we initially proposed this i was against it because i was under the impression that there was money someplace that we could pull to do these capital improvements mm-hmm. i was naive yeah um I, I i i went to the mayor mayor perkins and i said hey look can we do this can we do that can we do this and his exact comment in a, in a private meeting with he and i was one, I'm a Harvard Law School graduate. I think I know what I'm doing. Wow. Well, and Grayson, wow. in the past, like, this ain't this ain't my first rodeo. I go back to you know Hussey's days, and we had right. bond study committees. We had community meetings. We didn't have that during Perkins. We didn't have a bond study committee. We we were we were asked to give him a blank check. Part of it was thirty three million for roads. I didn't see a list of roads. Maybe you did that. I'm not privy to. I, I'm, I'm not giving any politician, Republican, Democrat, a blank check of $33 million of my money. Well, a perfect example is, you know, when I was fire chief at Fire District 5, we did a bond issue. We had schematics of a fire station. We had the fire trucks that we were going to purchase. We had a plan in place, and then we went to the public and sold it. With the Perkins administration, on the public safety part of it, I was like, I need a list of what you're buying, fire trucks whatever. And I also need, I want to see some plans for these substations. I want to see a plan for the police station. And and I never got it. You know, I was told I was going to get that, but I never got it. So Mm -hmm. yes, to go back to your original question, uh, no, I would, I would not have been, it's, it's just a different situation and you can't compare that. I also know now that our infrastructure has aged almost six years since I got on the council and the number of calls I'm getting for potholes and streets that need to be repaved. I mean, you can't not paint your house for six years. 
Um, I guess you can, but you can't expect it to look like it's brand new. And that's what a lot of taxpayers expect us to do. And unfortunately, they don't understand that we just don't have the money. I can tell you in my personal budget over the last year, thanks to, I'm just going to say it, President Biden and his his whatever he called it, non-inflation or whatever he's calling it now. Bidenflation, I mean, yeah. Biden, whatever it is, you know, we're in a lot better spot. No, we're not. I mean, the gas prices were high. All that stuff that, that, that we're dealing with, high utilities, high gas prices, you know, high grocery prices, all that stuff we're dealing with on the municipal side as well, but we're just dealing with it like 400 million times more than what you and I are dealing with it. So um, it, it, we, we're just not in the same situation we were. We have major issues, water issues, street issues that have to be fixed. And I am 100% with, believe it or not, Councilman Green and Councilwoman Taylor about a administrator to look over this. They're they're very much for that. I am too. Um, I would also like to see some technology put in place to where if Aaron McCarty wants to look up and see when Night Street is going to, they're going to start paving Night Street, you can click on it and pull it up and see exactly where we are. I think that that's the type of transparency that we need. And, All right, Grayson and, Butcher, District D representative for the city of Shreveport on the council. Is it your job to sell this bond proposal to your district? If I, if, <clears throat> yes and no. Um, if I didn't sell Perkins bonds because I didn't, I didn't have faith in it. Um, I'm selling this bond because I've had numerous meetings with the administration and with Tom Dark, and Tom Dark has laid this out exactly what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, the time frames that we're going to do this. So yes, it is my job to sell it because I have faith in it, uh, and I have to tell my constituents, look, it is a hard pill to swallow, but I promise you, it's the medicine that we need to take, and um, it is my job. But I guess if if you don't have faith in it or whatever reasons because maybe it's not adrian perkins i, I don't know uh, maybe it's not but yes i do feel like that as a, as a if, if you have faith in the bond issue we need to be out there trying to sell it and that's, it, that's what i'm gonna do grayson butcher is it it sounded to me listening to your meeting yesterday that it's in jeopardy of even being put on the ballot i think it is yeah i, I do I, I think it is and you know the mayor and i've had those conversations and look he is this is not because, you know, Adrian never even came to me or John and talked to us about the bond. Or he might call us right before he put it on or there were no meetings. I know for a fact that Mayor Arsenault and Tom Dark are having conversations uh, daily with the ones that don't want to put it on there. Um, you know, I don't think they did originally, but now, I mean, you know, they, they went to them and asked them to put people on bond committee. Some some council members didn't even give them names to put on the bond committee. So, um you know, and I think that one thing that everybody needs to look at, a council member-wise, is this is a holistic bond. Uh, you can't say, well, I want all this money to go to district whatever and none of it to go to district whatever because I think that we've been left out for so long. You know, I look at the bond issue more as a whole because I travel in pretty much every district of the city, you know, on a weekly basis or if not a daily basis. You do too. I mean, you how many, how many districts – Aaron and Mike, do you cross over to get to Westport Avenue? You bet. You, you know, this this is a holistic thing that means the quality of life for for our children and, and, and honestly, our grandchildren. You know, I, I, have, I have lost faith that any major changes are going to happen for me, um, you know, any real major changes. But, but I have faith that we can make Shreveport better 10 to 15 years down the road, and that's what this bond issue is going to do. One last thing in our last 30 seconds. Do you think they understand 
you know, if, if they want to delay this and put, put it on the November ballot, that it's DOA on a ballot like that. I mean, with more people coming out to vote, it doesn't have a chance. Well, there's there's other aspects to think about, you know, with more people coming out to vote. We're, we're If we do it on a December or November ballot, it, it's going to be crazy because people are going to be getting their tax notices. I mean, people are going to be stressed because of Christmas and all this other kind. Yeah, you're, you're right. A hundred percent. It's it's DOA. If we do it in the fall, I think April is the is the best time to do it. It gives us, you know, and I think we're going to do some some town hall. At least I plan on doing some town halls in my district to go through everything and explain to everything where we are with this. I did that actually for the Perkins administration. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just think that that April is the time to do it. And then that also gives us, let's think about this realistically too, that gives us time for the for the Arsenal administration to be there to kind of manage the hen house a little bit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, that'll give us three more, or two and a half more years of, of, of Tom Dark and Tom Arsenal. Grayson Butcher, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Mm-hmm. Talk to you soon. 101.7 FM, 710 Kiel. Back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Grayson Butcher said something during the interview that just uh, it could be an understatement that people don't trust government. Right mm-hmm. now. Right. They yeah. it's just we don't trust them to do what they say they're going to do. And when you look at the bond proposals from years past, when it takes thirteen years to get something done, and then it's only uh, Aaron, I, I think that that the Night Street was only done because you oh, screamed about it. Yeah, the the squeaky it, wheel. It would have been forgotten. It would have been forgotten. It would have been. And and the problem with it was I had drilled it into um, Mayor Ollie Tyler. Don't mm. forget, get get on Night Street. I had drilled it into Adrian Perkins, who sat in that chair in that other room mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to take care of Night Street. I, I remember that. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Now, there were hurdles. I, I, I readily admit there were Night Street hurdles. Um, there was a problem with Walmart. They didn't want to give up part of their property. We had to you know, go to court over that. There were things that happened. But you still didn't even expropriate the property until like three years ago. And I'm like, that's 10 years in. Don't get me started on that again. We got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board uh, that was interesting. It said, look at the canopy when you drive by Festival Plaza. Mm. No maintenance. Yeah. That's Festival sad. Plaza is a jewel in downtown Shreveport. You're so right. So right. We need to be taking care of that. Mm-hmm. I know. And I haven't paid attention. You know, I drive by it a lot. I haven't paid attention, but I am now. We have serious problems at the convention center, too. Oh, the which convention is, center. Which is our golden place where we show off our community to people from outside. They come right. here for conventions and events. And we're showing them that we have leaks in the roof. And we have, you know, all kinds. Escalators don't work sometimes. We have huge uh, loading dock bay doors that can't even, they don't even open. People can't load. Oh, frustrating. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty.